Bibles and turn with me, if you would, tonight to the book of Matthew, chapter number 26. I had, um, I maybe struggled a little bit about the direction, and I believe after the song service, um, I believe the Lord's got us right where we need to be. And uh, the Lord knows how to do all that. And I'm, I'm grateful that we serve an all-knowing, all-powerful, almighty God that knows just exactly how to organize what he wants. And he knows what he's doing. And I'm thankful for that tonight. Uh, if I can mess it up, I will. But he'll never mess it up. And I'm so very thankful that God knows exactly what he's doing. And uh, if, you, if you can and you're able, uh, we're going to invite you to stand with us as we read the scripture. If you're not able, you remain seated. That's no trouble whatsoever. And, uh, but we're just going to read just a few verses tonight. You can find a parallel passage in Mark chapter number 14. You can also go to Luke 22. Uh, a little bit of that you'll find in the first couple of verses of John 18. And so you can find this, this account of Scripture, uh, and, we, and we'll see that here in just a minute. You know, when you go through the Bible, uh, you, have, you have several places that Jesus visited. Uh, Jesus, a lot, of, lot went on in Galilee. If you study, a lot went on in Galilee from miracles to preaching to healing to right outside of Baptist. I mean, a lot of things went on in Galilee. You can come to the place called Gadara, and you remember that was a pretty big place for that, for that uh, maniac that God cast out that demon of, that Christ cast out that demon. Uh, there's a place in the Bible called Gabbatha, and that's where Christ stood and was judged there at the pavement. Uh, then we all also know a place called Golgotha. And uh, man, aren't you glad that Jesus went to the cross? Aren't you glad that he paid sins dead at Calvary? But right between, right between Gadara and Golgotha, you have another place, and it's a place called Gethsemane. And right between those two instances, because had it not been for Gethsemane, Golgotha may never have happened. And I believe I can show you that from Scripture tonight. And so I want to read this passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to try my best to preach what I believe the Lord has placed on our hearts tonight. Let's begin reading down in verse number 36 of Matthew chapter number 26. The Bible said, Then cometh Jesus with them unto the place called Gethsemane. And saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go yonder, while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. What a lesson we can learn in the prayer of Christ. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thou will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. I want you to listen to this verse in verse number 30 or this phrase. He said, Jesus said this. He said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. My soul is exceeding sorrowful. I want to preach on this thought tonight. Help in the garden. Help in the garden. Father in heaven tonight, we love you and we're so very thankful. God, what a, what a joy it's been to be in your house tonight. Father, we realize tonight, God, we're, we're honored to be able to stand in this place. We don't take it lightly. God, I'm, I'm so very grateful for the friendship of the popes and, and God that we're there's kindred spirits and the people of God. We can find the people of God all over this place and we're so very thankful, uh, God, that we have that. God, the, the family of God, there's nothing quite like it. Father, tonight I'm also, I'm encouraged by the good music, the good singing, the fellowship, the friendliness of your people, God. And just what a, what a great night it's been already for me. We can leave here and say it's been good. But Father, I pray, God, for the next few moments, God, I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to have clarity of thought. Uh, God, help me to preach, dear God, with, with, with the help from the Lord. God, I can't do this on my own, and we certainly do need you this evening. Father, I pray tonight that you'll do your perfect work in the service, Lord. Many folk, that, Lord, that, that are here, these are, these are new faces to me, and, and uh, several that, I, that we've, we've seen being reunited with tonight, and it's been good to see them. But God, you know each and every heart that's here tonight. You know the burdens, you know the, 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 the trials that they're facing and uh, God, you'll know what I can. And God, ultimately, you can do what I cannot. And so, Father, I pray that you'd have your will and your way in the service. God, most of all, would you be glorified tonight? Would you be honored in everything that's said and done? And God, we'll be sure to give you the praise and the honor and glory for it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Thank you so very much for standing tonight. You can be seated. I, I preached some, some time back, I preached the series. 
to our church folk. And if I tell you the title of the series, you're going to think I'm a little weird, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I preached on this thought, ministering to your soul. Now, hear me out before you write me off. I hadn't, I'm, not, I'm not totally liberal and I haven't gotten charismatic yet. I'm not going that way. Um, they don't have no idea about me, brother. They, this is going to be bad. You have to explain all this after I'm gone. But, but the reason that I, that I preached on that thought was I think of this. You know, there's a lot of times that we spend everything that we have, and it's a good thing, ministering to other people. Uh, I, matter of fact, that's our calling. I believe that God has called us not to be ministered to, but to minister. Uh, just like Christ did, that's why he came. But, but we, we'll, sometimes we'll expend so much effort out, and if we're not careful to replenish, we have nothing to offer anyone else. If we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll pour everything out that we have doing good things. Doing, doing, and we don't do a little bit of soul care, then what you're going to find yourself is you're going to find yourself sidelined or you're going to find yourself give out. And uh, there's many tragic stories that's been told of people who've just walked away because they're so burnt out because they never invested in their own spiritual well-being. And so I preached on this thought, ministering to your soul. And I dealt with different Bible characters, different uh, places and different people in the Bible. I dealt with how, you know, Jacob wrestled there in the Old Testament. I, I went down through and, and I looked at the life of David about overcoming your own giants. And I wasn't talking about Goliath. I was talking about the things that David had to overcome in his life and how that God helped him and uh, God worked. We looked at our study. We covered some verses in Psalm 23, uh, how that David got some help there. You can see uh, there in the, in the 23rd Psalm and uh, how the, the, the shepherd can restore. And I'm grateful that Jesus can do that. But I don't know that there's any greater example that we can find about, about getting the help we need from God. And that's ultimately when I'm talking about ministering to your soul. I'm talking about getting the help that we need from the Lord. You know, when, when, you're, when you're driving and, and you don't have to stop. Any, any electric vehicle people in here? Man, y'all are gas burners. I love you. Man, I knew I was in the right place. I love y'all gas burning people. I like it. Anybody have gas guzzlers? Truck, hallelujah, man, it's getting better. I like it, man, I like it. And, uh, but you know, when you're, when you're driving, I have a, I, the, the church was gracious and we have a church vehicle, but I have a, 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 20, uh, a 2015 F-150, Chevrolet people don't hold that against me. And, uh, but it's got, that thing's got a 36 gallon tank on it. When I first, when, it, when we first got it, uh, I went to the gas pump and, and I was used to a 24 gallon tank and I went to the gas pump and I, uh, squeezed the, squeezed the trigger on that gas pump and man, it just kept flipping and it got to 24, 25, 26, 28. 30, and I stopped and I looked under my truck. Brother, I thought I had a hole in the gas tank. I really did before the Lord. I thought, man, this thing's brand new. And I'm looking under here and trying to figure out where. And I got the paperwork out and said, oh, it's a 36-gallon tank. Uh, when it's empty, if you're behind me getting gas, God bless you. You just might as well get a sandwich because you're going to be there a while. And, uh, but if I don't get gas, let me tell you what will happen. Years ago, I found this out. If you don't put gas in the car, it'll leave you stranded. It'll leave you stranded. When, I, when I, I had a birthday, I don't remember what birthday it was, but I had all of my friends who I thought was my friend, and we don't talk anymore. But for my, what year was it? My 40th? That ain't been that long ago. And they, they bought me gas cans, preacher, because I had a history of years ago, I'd run out of gas. And they brought me gas cans. But, but when we're that way spiritually, that's a lot of talking to get to here. When we're that way spiritually, let me tell you, you're not going anywhere. When I, when, 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 I, when I run out, if you would, and I'm give out, I have nothing else to give back to anybody else. And I, I, I can't be useful and I can't be used. But worse than that, I'm discouraged and I'm defeated in my life. Now, here's where the reality is. We live in a world where there are people literally everywhere that we go that are hurting, they're discouraged, they're distraught. And I'm, I'm talking about God's people. I'm not, I'm not talking about those that you would look and say, well, they're on the, uh, they live on the other part of town or on the other, and they didn't come up. No, I'm talking about God's people, maybe God's people that are seated in here tonight. We, don't, we never know what people are carrying, and we never know what people are hurting. And by the way, just because someone is hurting, it doesn't mean that they're not right with God, doesn't mean they're not in the will of God, but I tell you what it does mean, it, need, it means that they need some help directly from the Lord. They need some help from God. Now, I'm thankful. I, listen, I'm thankful for church services. I think we can come in here and, man, get encouraged. That, that's the way God designed it. We'll see that here in just a moment. Uh, but but there's, there is something in our life. We sing, they sang that song, I'm going to make it. Man, what a blessing to know that because of him, I'm going to make it. Yeah. 
because of his promises. But there's times in my life when I'm down and I'm discouraged. Sometimes my brain, my heart, and my brain don't, don't connect. And I've got to do something. I've got to, I've got to be able to, to find the help from God that I need because it could be that the preacher can't help me. It could be that, that, that my loved ones can't help me, but I know that my help cometh from the Lord. And so tonight, as we look at this passage, I want you to keep that, that thought in your mind. Jesus said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Jesus said that. The God that hung the sun and the moon and the stars, the God that, that breathed in the nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul, the God that came and took upon himself the form of a servant and took upon flesh, that same God allowed himself to be human. And he said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. My soul. Jesus said that. You say, well, preacher, he knew how it was going to wind up. Yeah, so do we. But how many times does our soul become exceeding sorrowful? Jesus said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. You see, when I read that Jesus could go through that, it doesn't knock me off my feet when I go through that. When I read that Jesus went through the struggles of humanity, man, it doesn't knock me off my feet just so much as that does. We know that Jesus didn't come to establish his kingdom or to be acknowledged as king, though he is. But he came to give his life a ransom. If you're here tonight, let me just say this. As we go on in the message, understand this, that the reasons Jesus, the reason that Jesus came and his soul was exceedingly sorrowful is because he was getting ready to pay your sin debt on Calvary. That's why. Why was he so heavy? He was getting ready to, to, to cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus Christ allowed himself to be forsaken like no man has ever been forsaken. You think about it for just a moment. When Jesus hung on Calvary, God utterly turned his back on Jesus and he did it because he was bearing your sin debt. He was forsaken so I'd never have to be. He was forsaken, he was crucified so I'd never have to be. And Jesus said in this outright before he went to Calvary, he said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. We know that Jesus came to be a servant. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Luke 4 says, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Sent me to hear the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. But listen, have you ever underestimated what Calvary was like for Christ? Sometimes I think we get the mindset, well, he's God. That's why he came. Everything just flowed. No, let me tell you something. Calvary, Calvary was the hardest thing man would ever, ever, ever have to face. And my Savior faced it. Calvary, Calvary. We think, well, he's God. Jesus is God. And he is. But never forget, not only is he 100% God, but he, he took upon himself, he was 100% man. At the same day, say, explain that, really can't, other than the fact that he's God. And he chose to be, why? So that he could bear my burden of sin and he could bear your burden of sin. Listen, if you're here tonight, you don't know Christ, I'm telling you, there's someone who paid it all. And he took upon himself that form of humanity. You say, well, preacher, oh, it probably wasn't that big a deal, not according to scripture. Jesus said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Thus we come to Gethsemane. Matthew 26 gives us some insight. It lets us in on a little bit of the pain and emotion that Jesus experienced on his way to Calvary. We'll see in a moment, it was a time when Jesus needed something to sustain him, something to carry him through. Jesus needed something. He went to his father and said, Lord, I, he began to, to pour his heart out to God and we'll see that in just a moment, but he needed something. What was he looking for? He found help in the garden to sustain him so that he could go forward and carry out the work that his father had sent him to do. And that's where we're at tonight is talking about help in the garden. Three things we can discover in the garden, which I believe will help us as Jesus can give us strength. First of all, I want you to notice this and I'm gonna give you these quickly. I'm gonna give you these quickly and I'm gonna sit down. First of all, I want you to notice something significant about his companions. You know, Jesus had companions. Now, I can start listening to who they are, and you, you can begin to fault find his companions. If I mention Peter, you're going to be, oh, yeah, Peter, he's got problems. Yeah, most of us in here probably identify a little bit with Peter. Our mouth opens before we can think about what's coming out of it. And, but I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm encouraged, I'm encouraged about Peter when I read of Peter. Uh, man... Peter before Calvary and Peter after Calvary, two different men. You say, what happened? God can use anybody. And I'm thankful, I'm encouraged. But you look at his companions, they're, they're, they're not perfect men. They were just ordinary men who decided there's a, there's a time I'm going to follow him. All right, now, so it's an important component that we need to understand in moving forward that's we, that, that it's, there, there's, a, there's a vitalness or there's a... A, a principle that I believe that God's people ought to surround themselves with good people. We need companions. 
Uh, there's encouragement to be found in the house of God. Uh, there's, there's, there are times in our life that when just by being around God's people, we can get the encouragement that God wants for us to get. Uh, listen, we don't have to live that. There are times that just seeing people encourages your soul. They don't have to say anything. They don't have to do anything. They don't, just by being in their presence, they'll encourage your soul. And those are good things. And so don't underestimate or undermine the usefulness of God's people. All right, it's a good thing. It is the design of God for the church to edify, to exhort, to uplift one another. That's God's design. Uh, preacher, I don't really need church. I don't really need, you know, I, I, watched, I, I watched Dr. Jeremiah on Sundays. I'm okay with that, but let me tell you something. I need fellowship. I need, I need somebody to shake my hand, hug my neck, say, hey, I've been praying for you this week. I need somebody to smile and let them know, hey, listen, I don't hate your guts like the world does. I need somebody to lift me up. I need some, and by the way, I need to do that for others. It's not just Brother Pope's job. It's not just Miss Tammy's job to say, hey, listen, I'm glad you're here. Good to see you. No, we need that one for another. All right, and so companionship is a good thing, but however, you're going to find in this text that companionship of man has its limitations. Man can only do so much. Have you, ever has, have you ever known that someone was hurting but not know how to help them? Man, your heart goes out to them. You want to help them. You're trying your best. and you, Man, you're racking your brain. How can I help them? How can I? And, and you're just blanks, nothing. You say, why is that? We're limited. There have been times as being in the pastorate, I've pastored Hope for 20 years, and there's times that, that's been in the pastorate. But Pope, I just didn't know what to say. I just didn't know what to say. We got a call one, one time. We were on our way. We dropped our daughter off to, to, to college at Pensacola for our very first year. We were on our way home. I mean, first year, and uh, I, got a, I got a call from, from a lady on the other end of the phone, and brother, she was just crying profusely. I couldn't even hardly make out what she said. I mean, I, I was in a truck, and I, I said, sister, slow down, slow down. And this is the only thing that she could get out of her mouth. She listed her husband's name and said he's dead. He got killed in a motorcycle crash just like that and was gone. We, we were coming right into Charlotte, and so we, we, we run by their house, and, and I walked in, and what do you say? I mean, I mean what do you say? I, I could offer words. My wife could hug her neck and offer words. We could hug their children and try to love on them and help them the best we can, but I'm going to tell you something. I, I found out my limitations that day. She needed something a whole lot bigger than a preacher. She needed someone with a whole lot more power and she needed someone with a whole lot more comfort. She needed someone, hey, that was able to reach in and look in and yet we find here one in the garden who said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. Jesus could enter into that. My friend, can I tell you tonight, I don't care what you're going through, uh, whatever the hardness and the difficulties of your life, I may not understand, your pastor may not understand, your spouse may not understand, but there is a God in heaven who knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to endure the difficulties. He knows what it's like to be exceeding sorrowful. And the same one that knows is the same one that can help you. There's help to be found there in the garden. Man, they had a willingness to go with them. They had great intentions. Yeah, we, we, we write them off and say, yeah, well, they, they all forsook him and fled. Well, we probably would have too. They had great intentions, but they didn't want to go to, they didn't want to, go to the cross. They didn't want to die. We're, we get all choked up when we're trying to witness to somebody at the Dollar General, let alone going to Calvary. And so here we find here they had good, they, you can look at verse 36 and 37. They were willing to travel with him. He, they went to the garden. They said, come on, fellas, we're going to go to the garden. They, they went right, yes, sir, Lord, we're right with you. We're, Lord, we're, we're always going to be here. Good companions, good companions. Man, their intentions were to be with them through thick and thin. If you look at 33 through 35, they're arguing with Jesus. Y'all never do that, would you? Yeah, we would. Yes, we do. Lord, are you sure? I mean, Lord, come on, Lord. I, they're arguing, oh, Lord, we'll never forsake you. Uh, Lord, Lord, you got, you've got us mistaken, Lord. Lord, you're talking about, you're, you're talking about, you're, you're talking about my in-laws, but not me, Lord. Oh, they're arguing with the Lord. Why? Because in their heart of hearts, their intentions were to always be, Lord, whatever you need, we're here. But here's the problem. They had an inability to really enter into what Jesus was experiencing. Now, he told them the severity of what he was going through. He said, I'm, 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 go, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna die. But here's the reality. In verse number 30, listen to verse number 38. Then saith he unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death, tarry ye here and watch with me. Do you realize that, that his pain didn't cause him to lose any sleep? 
Not any sleep. There's a, there's a, a, a thing that, I, that I've read, and you've probably read it too, but you, you know, it's amazing. They couldn't pray an hour, but they could fish all night. I've seen it. I've heard a couple different preachers say it, but you know, think about it. They couldn't pray an hour with the one that they loved the most that delivered their soul from an eternal destiny in hell. They could not pray an hour, but man, they could fish. And, and I'm talking about fishing and not catching anything. I'm not a fisherman. I, I don't, I know that some of y'all fish and you love it and knock yourself out. I'd just soon be on a motorcycle boning gasoline. I just don't, I just don't fish, but I know that I'm not going to fish all night and not catch anything. You say, how long is it going to take? About 25 minutes and I'm out. <laughs> My in-law, man, they love it. But here are these guys, they can fish all night, not catch anything. But when it comes to really praying, and I'm talking about praying and interceding on behalf of their Savior, they fell asleep. He come, woke them up, gave them another shot at it, fell back asleep. You say, what happens? Well, listen, their intentions are good, but they, they had an inability to really enter in. There are times that your companions, as much as they love you, I, and by the way, I think these men love Jesus. I'm not, I'm not here to throw rocks at these men. I think they love Christ. I think they loved him. I, and I think it's proven, by the way, after the resurrection, I think that you'll find most of these men were martyred for the cause of Christ. But at this point, they just weren't there yet. But I think they loved him, and yet they, they were, had an inability to really. So what, what's he, what do you do when your companions fail you? Well, I think not only do you, do you need to look at his companions, but the second thing, and we're going we're to wrap this up, but the second thing we're talking about that we need to look at is we need to look at his cup. His cup. The occasion of Jesus' trip to the garden has to do with the cup that he had to drink. If you go back to John 20, you find dealing with James and John and their mother. Jesus asked them, that, you know, their, their mom comes to Jesus. Do you, ever, do you ever read your Bible literally? We ought to. It's a literal book. Can you imagine what it must have been like as those other men watched James and John's mama come and say, Lord, I, my, I got, my, my boys are good boys, Lord. And, and you know, Lord, I, these other guys are okay, but there's something special about my boys. And they ask the Lord which side of the kingdom they could sit on. I just can't wrap my brain. I mean, mamas are always mamas. It don't matter. But they began to ask, and you know what Jesus asked? He said, you know, the cup that I'm getting, can they, can they drink of it? Can you drink of it? You see, because Jesus knew they wouldn't drink of it. But when you think about the cup that, that he was given to take, and I want to, I before we jump right into that, I want to take just a moment and reflect on this. There are things in our life, that, this cup that he's going to drink is overwhelming. There are things that you'll face in your life, there's things that I'll face in my life that really are overwhelming. There, there, there's storylines that we would never write for ourselves. There, there are storylines that we would never write for our children. We would never work, wish them on our worst enemy, but that does not the change the reality of life and the difficulties and sometimes life can be absolutely overwhelming. The word cup means this. It's one's lot or experience, whether joyous or averse. It's divine appointments, whether favorable or unfavorable. And they're likened to the cup which God presents one to drink. So we see that Jesus had a cup or he had a divine appointment, which he had to keep. And I'll say again, I'm glad that he kept his divine appointment. I'm glad he kept his divine appointment. Listen, had he not kept that divine appointment, I had another divine appointment. I'd have spent eternity in a place called hell had Jesus not kept his divine appointment. My divine appointment was changed because he kept his divine appointment. And I'm thankful tonight that he did, but I'm also grateful that he went to the garden and he found the help that he needed so that he could carry forth the work that his father had sent him to do. Man, I want to finish well, don't you? Amen. There's times that I don't know what the cup might be that I have to drink. I'll never have to drink this cup. I couldn't have drank this cup. But listen, sometimes life is overwhelming, isn't it? And so we see that Jesus had a cup, a divine appointment. He was carrying the weight of that load. Let me give you a couple things about this. Number one, he was dealing with external situations. These are the things that just kind of add to it. You know, it's kind of like, you know, once a bad thing happens, it's just one thing on top of another. These are some external situations. He knew as he's sitting there praying and he calls these men to come to it. He knew Peter's going to deny him. He told Peter. He said, well, he's God. He knew that. You don't think that that, that, that hurt his heart to know that, man, I love this guy. I poured my heart into this guy, <laughs> but he's going to deny me. Well, preacher, you got to overlook. No, I'm telling you, Jesus was 100% man. 
Jesus loved his companions and his companions loved him. Yet in his mind, he knew that the closest people in my inner circle are going to let me down. Man, there's internal struggles with that or external situations. He knew that others would forsake him. Yet Jesus, by his this is a picture of grace, by the way. If you knew somebody's going to fail you, you'd separate from them before they had a chance. Jesus took him to the innermost part of the garden and said, hey, I want y'all to come with me. The ones that wanted, that their mama wanted to sit on the right hand and left, the ones that's going to deny, Jesus said, hey, you three, I want you to come with me. Why? Man, that's the grace of God. To know that I'm going to fail, yet still have a desire to use me and fellowship with me, that, that can only be explained by the grace of God. He knew Judas was going to betray him. Judas wasn't there at this time. Judas was already plotting behind the scene. He knew, and all of these things were weighing on his mind. And yet he still went, that's why he had to go to the garden because the cup, the cup was exceedingly difficult. It was overwhelming. And so we see what he's facing. He was experiencing some exceeding sorrow, internal stress. Verse 38, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. That phrase just simply means to be deeply grieved or to be overcome with sorrow. Sorrowful in verse number 37, to affect with sadness or grief. We know in Isaiah 53, the Bible says he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. That's the description, the Old Testament description of the New Testament Savior that we call Jesus. Acquainted with grief, very heavy. It says he's troubled, he's in great distress or anguish. Mark 14 says he's amazed or he's filled with terror. So he was facing extreme circumstances, death on the cross, separation from the Father. Listen, Calvary was not a light thing. It was not a light thing. In our society, we have, we, we have, a, we have a wooden cross in our church. We have a, a huge cross on the front of our, of, our, of our brick building. Some of you ladies saw that yesterday. And, and we've gotten so used to the cross that we sometimes can forget just how heavy Calvary really was. We've beautified it. We've made it pretty. We put, we put lights on it at, at Easter and Christmas. And, and you know, it's a, we put it on necklaces and, and bracelets and all that stuff. And, and I'm not against that. I'm not, I'm not, if you're wearing a cross necklace, you don't have to leave church like this tonight. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm telling you something. If we understood the gruesomeness and the brutality of Calvary, I think we would look at it differently. If we understood what Jesus endured for the sake of to pay my sin debt and to pay your sin debt, I think we would understand just how heavy and how sorrowful that Jesus actually was. We see his cup, we see his companions. Let me give you one last thing and I'm done. Listen to his cry. His cry. This is Jesus' response. How should I respond when I'm overwhelmed? Well, I would love to say um, I respond like Jesus every time, but I don't always. But I want you to listen to how Jesus responded. And I think this is where we see how his help came. His help didn't come from being just at the place of the garden. That's not where his help from. His help didn't come. Now, now we're going to see the significance of the place in just a moment. But his help didn't come because of he had companion. But his help came from his cry. Man, there are times in your life that the only thing you can do is just cry out to God. That's all you can do. And sometimes you don't even have the words to fill in the blank. You don't even have the words. But can I tell you, there's help to be found just in that cry in and of itself. We see Jesus' response. Jesus desperately needed ministered to. His companions couldn't help him. His cup was overwhelming. But man, his cry went straight to the throne room of his father. Verse 39 said, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed. Tonight, maybe you're there. Maybe you're in a place in your life that you say, I'm overwhelmed. I'm discouraged. I'm distraught. Maybe on the borderline of quitting or maybe on the borderline of I don't want to quit, but I feel like I can't go much further and I can't take much more. Can I tell you? You say, preacher, I've tried to pray and I've tried to do that. Maybe tonight you just need to do this. Maybe you just need to hang on just a little longer. Maybe you just need to determine by the help and by the grace of God, I'm willing to go a little further. I'm willing to take one more step by faith and trusting God. I'm willing to make one one more day and say, God, I'm going to give you today. God, I can't do it, but God, today I'm going to trust you. God, if you don't do it today, I'm going to trust you to do it tomorrow. And I'm not quitting now. I'm going to go all the way just one step, just a little bit further, God. Just a little bit more. Jesus went just a little further. And so maybe tonight that's where you're at and you're saying, God, I I need some help. Can I tell you? Go just a little further. Don't quit. Man, don't throw in the town. I know it's overwhelming, but I'm telling you, there's help to be found in the garden. There's help to be found. Now, before you assume we're going to talk about prayer, but before you assume prayer doesn't work or that it's something casual, let's take a closer look. You understand that Jesus' prayer that's found in the garden, you know, the Bible lets us in, gives us some insight about the prayer life of Christ. Before you think, well, prayer doesn't work or, or, or prayer significant, this was an earnest, desperate praying or pleading from Jesus to his heavenly Father. I want you to see some things, and I think we can learn some things about prayer. Man, prayer is an amazing tool. 
It's an amazing tool, but here's what I found out in my personal life. Man, if there's an area that Satan fights my life, it's my prayer life. Just, just talking to the Lord. Man, it's easily distracted. You see, not me, preacher. I can, man, I can pray and pray and pray. And God bless you, but I'm going to tell you something, man. It's, it's, I feel like that's an attack in, in prayer. You say, well, I think Satan knows how important it is. Just how powerful to be connected to another country. To be plugged into another land for the God of heaven to listen to your cry. I, I can put it to you like this. Those of you that are parents in here. By the way, how many of your parents? How many of you's grandparents? It's awesome, ain't it? Ain't nothing like it. Man, when my, when my kids cry, you know what I found out? I found out sometimes I look at my kids and say, ain't nothing wrong with you. You need to suck it up. When my grandkids cry, what can I do for you? What do you need? Oh, you hit your head. Bless his heart. I mean, you know, do you need me to buy you something? You say, why, man? It's trouble. It's bad. It's bad. Now, listen, can I tell you something? When we pray <clears throat> and we earnestly Carry those burdens to the cross. I'm telling you something. You're getting plugged into another country. Now think about this in prayer life. Prayer is oftentimes private. And I'll give you that, the privacy of prayer. Look what Jesus said in verse number 36. He said, sit ye here while I go and pray. Tarry ye here. And he went a little further. Luke twenty two forty one 41 in the parallel passage, the Bible says this, that when Jesus got to that place and he, he kind of dropped them off and said, you guys pray here. Uh, the Bible said that when he withdrew from them, you know, what I'm saying is this, is there, there are times where you need to get alone and it's just you and God and be completely honest and transparent with God as you possibly can. He can see anyway. You know, sometimes I think we, we try to clean, we try to clean up things, but like, like maybe God don't really know, need to know all the details. Maybe I don't, you never experienced that, but I'm going to tell you something. There's sometimes that we try to pray and we're, you know, we're, we're, we're spiritual. So we've got to, we've got to say all the these and the thous and, you know, we've got to pray like we're the Apostle Paul. Listen, just, just be honest and just pour your heart out to it. He cares about you. He loves you. He knows, he knows what you're going through. He knows you're in your darkest hour that you've ever been. Why not just pour your heart out before God? But it's a privacy of prayer. We find out here the place of prayer. He said, let me go yonder. He had a place. I don't know if you have a place or not, but man, you ought to get you a place. You ought to get you a place. And just, just to where, and I, you said, well, preacher, I got kids and I've got, well, that's fine. I, and your, your place might just be on the living room couch, but get you a place. I'm, I'm blessed. I have, I have an office at the church. I can go there and, and I can kind of lock my door and shut everything off. And, and wherever your place, but get you a place. Get you a place. You can get more than one, but get you a, he, he went, and the Bible tells us in, in John 18 that Jesus resorted to this place often. Often. You say, what's that mean? Jesus, he got away. He knew that, man, I got to minister to my soul. Get away often. Get away often. There's times that Jesus went to the mountains to pray. There's times that Jesus sent the disciples and he went alone to pray. You say, what are you saying? I'm telling you, just pray. Get to God. Take it to the Lord. That's where you're going to find your help. What did Jesus do in the garden? He wasn't complaining. He wasn't rebuking as far as, well, you, you guys are going to all leave me anyway. No, no, no. He went to the garden for one specific purpose, and that was to pray to his father. To pray to his father. The place of prayer, the privacy of prayer. What about this? What about the, the, the intimate aspect or the personal part of prayer? The, the personal part of prayer. How personal? Now, listen, I, I know that, that we've laughed a little bit, and, but, but I, I, want to, I want you to get really, really specific for just a moment. Prayer ought to be an intimate, personal experience between you and God. There, there are conversations that you have with your spouse that nobody else will ever know, and they don't need to know. You have, you'll, have, you'll have talks, and you have heart-to-hearts, and there'll be times that you just, you and your spouse will, will cry. I found out this. I found out that emptiness then is not all bad. Listen, you don't, ever hear, you don't hear me cry. I, I love my children. I love my grandchildren. But I'm also, I love my wife. And I'm glad we have this intimate time to talk and to laugh. And, and sometimes we're silly. Sometimes we're goofy. Sometimes we cry. So I, you say, what is it? It's just, a, just, a, just intimate, just me and her. Can I tell you something? Your relationship with God ought to be just that way. You don't have to be afraid to tell God. You don't have to be afraid to tell him. You don't have to be afraid to say, God, it's me. He already knows. And he's interested. You're his child. If you're saved by the grace of God, you're his child. And there's no dark hour, there's no dark hour that you should have to face without the presence of the person of Jesus Christ, your Savior, if you know him. His personal prayer. 
Um, now to have that, you're going to have a relationship with him. You know, I can talk about Calvary all night. I can preach about Calvary and what Jesus did. But if you've never yourself personally acknowledged that yourself as a sinner and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you won't have that relationship. You don't have that relationship. And so what, but once you have that relationship, once you have, can I say just a word about faith just real quick? Sometimes I'm afraid we get the wrong concept of faith. Well, I believe in God, therefore I have faith. No, faith is literally, faith is literally meaning acknowledging that Jesus Christ died because I'm a sinner. And he promises that he'll be my savior if I'll simply follow him, put my faith in him. That's not saying, okay, Lord, I believe. That's saying, God, I am trusting you with everything I've got. I told my people this morning, I'm trusting you with everything. And God, I am all in from this point forward in my life. I'm trusting you for every step. I'm trusting you for every moment. But why is it that we can trust God with our eternal, never dying soul? But we have such a hard time trusting God with the circumstances of this temporary life. Man, I'm telling you, listen, Christ, there's an intimate relationship. If you go to Mark 14, and you don't have to turn there, but Mark 14, 36, he uses that phrase, Abba Father. Abba Father. <clears throat> and people in my church, I've got, I've got two boys. I've got one son that he's an associate pastor at McLeansville Baptist Church in McLeansville, North Carolina. Uh, I've got another son. He's on staff at Pensacola Christian College. Uh, my daughter is a pastor's wife. He pastors in a church in uh, Emerald Coast Baptist Church in Destin, Florida. And so my kids are kind of scattered everywhere, but uh, I've got one little girl. How many, you got one little girl, don't you? Man, wedding days was tough. That was a hard day. I went into mourning, fasting, praying, and grieving. It was bad. But my daughter, from the time she was little, she didn't call me dad. She, she, didn't, call, she didn't even call me daddy. I, I don't even if I can say, say it right. It was Diddy. That's weird, isn't it? It's Diddy. She was just a little Southerner. I mean, that's just Diddy. But I'm going to tell you something. When she said it, I knew who was calling me. I knew. And I wouldn't, listen, I, you couldn't give me all the money in the world to redo all them years and erase that. Why? It was a personal name. I knew that's my baby girl. Now, my, my boys, they didn't like it because they knew that maybe I was a little preferential. I shouted when they left. I cried when she did But one of my boys, they gave me my first grandbaby, so I forgive him. <laughs> but I mean, it was an intimate term that I knew that that was something that, that just she and I shared. She and I shared. Je Jesus cried out. He said, he said, Abba, Father, or Papa, or, or Daddy. Or, or it, it's, a very, it's a very personal, not a formal term. Listen, can I, can I ask you to do this in your prayer life? Could you try to make it personal? I understand that, that, that God is your father, but you, you go to him in an intimate, personal way. Jesus needed that. He, need, he, he didn't need a father figure. He needed his father. There's a difference. I, I need to know I, I'm blessed. My parents are still alive, and I'm blessed to be able to still go and talk to my dad. You know, not just someone that's, that's filling a role that I've gotten an idea. No, I can go and, and talk to my dad. Jesus cried out, he said, Abba, Father, personally, intimately as a father. Man, there's so much stuff that I, that I want to share with you. I just don't have time. We, we see the pouring out of prayer. What did he do? He just began to pour his heart out over and over and over and over again. We learn in Isaiah 53, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put, put him to grief when thou shalt make a soul an offering for sin. And so he was just pouring out his heart to God. God, I've got, to, I've got to carry this. And God, I, it's more than I can bear. And God, you're going to, what was he doing? He said, God, you're going to have to help me. God, I need, I need you to help me. I need you to, I need you to do something for me. You say, preacher, did it work? Well, he went to Calvary. Luke 22 tells a really beautiful picture of this account in the garden. As he's given the account, all that's happened, he's talking about Jesus comes and he meets with his disciples and they're, they're asleep. They're, they're, getting a, uh, you know, they're getting a pretty good nap in. And he's suffering the suffering of his life and they're over there sleeping. And in one of those moments, he goes back and he begins to pray again. The Bible says that the angel ministered to him. He said, preacher, what are you talking about? That's the goal, to be ministered to from heaven. Man, to be ministered to from heaven, that he got a hold of the throne room of God and God sent a messenger and said, listen, my son needs some help. 
my beloved in whom I'm well pleased, he's hurting. This is, this is, this is a, the greatest thing he'll ever bear. Go help him. Can I tell you something? He loves you no less. He's no less invested. He's no less concerned in you. We read that the, that the Bible tells us that Jesus was ministered to by the angels. I like the peace that he had. He said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. He said, God, I, Father, I, if, 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 it's, if it's possible, but if that's not your will, God, I'll, I'll make it one more step. I'll go one more place and I'll do one more thing if it's, if it's your will. I, what about his persistence? He just kept going back. Well, I asked God once. No, he just kept going back. Three times he kept going back. Anybody here been to the chiropractor? I'm going to tell you something. I used, to, I used to be a little skeptical about the chiropractor. Like, man, he's going to put me on that table and he's going to break my neck. <laughs> Mine started something new. And he, and he puts me in, it looks like this horse collar thing. And he holds this, and it's almost like a torture chamber. You go in there and he shows you all these gadgets. If I ever use this on you, say, no, and today's not a good day. But I'm paying, and I'm paying for this. And he said, pick your head up. So I lift my head up, and he puts that thing, and he zips it around my neck. And he, stre- he just leans back on it. And he just stretches it. I was like, oh, that feels pretty good. Then he goes, mm. And he just clips my neck, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to heaven, like, immediately. <laughs> but when I first started going, it, man, it, it, it hurt. I was just miserable. He said, I need you to come three times this week. You're in really bad shape. And I'm like, God, I'm going to have to come four next week if you keep us up. But I found out that as I went, it just, it got better every time I went. And now it's much better if I just go regular. You know, maintenance, what they call it. What they call it is I'm going to go to the bank and I'm going to cash a check, but it's maintenance. And I found out that in order for it to be effective, I've got to continue to go and to go and to go and to go. Child of God, listen, we ought to have a continual prayer life. Even if it's maintenance, you say, well, I'm, I'm going through, these are good days. I'm not going through a difficult time. You might want to spend a little time in the garden because what's going to happen is, is it can be tomorrow and man, there's something that's overwhelmed your life. And you begin to go back and go back and go back. Did it work? Did it work? Well, we find that Jesus found the help that he's needed, ministered to by the angels. And ultimately, you know where he goes? He gets up from praying. He said, it's enough. Rest on, take your sleep. And then he said, hey, listen, it's time. It's time. And Jesus went. He was tried. He was mocked. He was scourged. Ultimately, he was crucified. You say, well, preacher, that don't sound like a very happy ending. Oh, yeah, he's going to get up in three days. It's not over. It's not over at Calvary. That's just the end of it. He's getting up in three days. And I've got news. That, listen, that's still not the end of the story. He ascended back to his father. And there's coming a day, and I believe it's rather soon, he's going to come and get the rest of the crowd that know him. By faith. It's not over. It's not over. But at this time in his life, let me tell you what he needed. Man, his soul was exceeding sorrowful. And he could see all this. Who for the joy that was set before he knew. And yet while he was going through that circumstance, he was sorrowful. Listen, I don't know what you're going through this, morning, or this evening. I really don't. I don't know your heart. I don't know your trials. I, your pastor probably knows more than some, but, but there might even be things that, that your pastor and your pastor's wife don't know. But I can promise you this, there's a God in heaven who knows. Amen. We read that who is in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Can I tell you something? He, he enters in to the pain of our infirmities. He enters in to the sufferings, the deepest sufferings that none of our companions can understand. Jesus, whose soul was exceeding sorrowful, he can understand. Oh, listen, he can enter into the difficulties of the cup. Whatever, whatever your lot in life is before you, that I, this is just more than I can bear. Jesus knows what it's like to have that amount on you. But I can tell you, his cry made all the difference in the world. Maybe tonight, what you just need to do is you just need to come. Some of you are on the altar while we're singing. Maybe that's what you're doing. You're just crying out to God. Can I encourage you? Don't get too far away from the garden because there's help to be found in the garden. Father, I love you tonight and I pray, dear God, that you'll take these moments that we've been in the word and God, I don't know the hearts of of the people that are here tonight. could be very well that there's someone here that does not have that relationship with Christ. They have no one to cry to. God, the only thing they have in this world are, are companions which are limited and God, maybe tonight they just need to understand that the reason you went through all this suffering is because 
you were going to pay their sin debt. And God, you offer salvation full and free so that they can have that relationship. And I pray tonight if they're here and they don't know Christ as Savior, would tonight be the glad hour? God, that they put their faith and trust in Jesus and trust you. Father, or maybe there's believers tonight, and God, maybe they're going through some dark days, some difficult times. And God, they just need to, to trust you. They just need to come to the garden. And God, they need to get the help. And so, Father, tonight, whatever it is, I pray that you'll have your will and your way in this invitation time. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being gracious to us. And God, thank you for the truth of your word. Help us tonight be honored and glorified through the remainder of the service. And we'll, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Preacher, you come. Our heads tonight, if you will. And I, you know, I was thinking about while the preacher was preaching tonight. Hey, Calvary, Union Grove needs you to stay in the fight. Harmony, North Carolina, needs you to stay in the fight. Statesville, in Yadkin County, and Davie, and Alexander, and Wilkes, and all around this area, they need this church to stay with it. You know, the last thing in the world this area needs is for Christians in this church to get burned out and lose your zeal, lose your fire. And I just wonder tonight, in just a moment, if some folks need to tiptoe down to this altar and just say, Lord, I need some soul maintenance tonight. Lord, I need you to, I need you to help me. I need you to encourage me. I need you to, Lord, give me my fire back. Lord, fire me up more than I've ever been. Give me a burden for souls. God, help me in reaching my kids. Lord, help me in my home to be what you want me to be. Would you stand with us tonight all over the house? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here tonight and you just need some soul maintenance, would you just slip out right now? Just slip out and just find your way to this old-fashioned altar tonight. Amen. Yes, folks are coming. Folks are coming. Amen. Folks are getting some help tonight. Oh, listen. I can guarantee you this. The enemy wants you to quit. He knows some folks need you tonight. Somebody needs you to stay with it. There's a co-worker that's watching. There's a schoolmate that's watching. There's a family member that's right on the brink of quitting Man, they need you to hang in there. They need you to serve. But you can't do that if your soul gets depleted. And tonight, you just come and say, Lord, I need some soul maintenance. Oh, God, I need you to, to get me plugged back in. God, recharge me. Lord, help me, to, help me to, to do the will of God, to be the vessel that you want me to be. That's right. Folks are, folks are still coming. Folks are still coming. If you're here tonight, you say, Preacher, I, I've never been saved. I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Hey, listen, why don't you come? Would you come while we wait? We'll be glad to meet you down here with the Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. If you need somebody to pray with you, and folks are receiving prayer right now, if you need prayer, just come on. And we'll be glad to meet you here and pray with you. Will you come? So, Heavenly Father, thank you. Lord, what a great service. Lord, we've been reminded tonight through the music. Lord, we can keep going. We've been reminded through the preaching tonight. We can keep going. Lord, even when our soul gets depleted, God, when we feel like quitting, when the enemy's fighting, God, we're so thankful. Lord, there's help in the Lord. There's help at Gethsemane. Father, thank you for this challenge tonight concerning our prayer life. Oh, God, I pray. I don't know all that you're doing in the altars right now, but Holy Spirit, I pray that you do what needs to be done. God, encourage. God, encourage. Lord, I pray that, Lord, maybe, maybe somebody tonight just feels empty. Oh, God, I pray you'd fill them back up tonight. And, Lord, I pray that they'd walk out of this place, Lord, afresh and anew with a new zeal and a new vigor, Lord, wanting to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. God, have thy way, please, and we thank you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're going to sing in just a moment.
Is there anybody else that needs to take a move, take a step out and come? If so, listen, the altars are open. You come while we wait. Hey, if you're watching live stream, we're delighted to have you tuning into the broadcast tonight. There's a number on the bottom of your screen right now, 704-327-5662. And if you're watching the broadcast, and if we can pray with you, we have some people waiting right by the phone, and they would love to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you right now and how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. I hope you'll call us right now. We'd love to answer the phone and minister to you. Hey, church, you can look up this way. What a, boy, this, this little song goes right along with what he was preaching on tonight. How many are thankful for that amazing grace? Amen. And boy, thank the Lord that just when you need it, he's able to give it. So we're going to sing this little chorus. You know it. You don't even need words on the screen. But you sing it out tonight. If you need to come, the altars are open. You come tonight while we wait. All right? Let's sing it again. Sing it out, church. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Twas blind. But now I see. Let's sing it again. Sing it again, church. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. Sing it, church. I once was lost, but now. Can we do 